So Ephesians chapter 1, it's verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1, um, just a little warning, there's a lot in this, um, and we're going to get right into it and really unpack what um, God has sent to us through these first 14 verses in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, I don't know if you have a pen or you take notes or whatever. There might be some stuff you, you just need to jot down because there is so much in this. Um, so Ephesians 1 um, unpacks for us the blessing of God in Christ. And we've just sung um, a song that reminds us that we have 10,000 upon 10,000 reasons to bless, to bless the Lord. Um, and hopefully you'll sense that this morning as we think about these verses there was an author um, called, called Stanley Fish who wrote a book um, called How to Write a Sentence and How to Read One. It sounds riveting, doesn't it? How to write a sentence and how to read one. And in that book, he looks into what makes a truly remarkable sentence. And he writes about the search for exactly the right worded phrase, the very best phrase that could ever be written. And he says this, he says, it's not a search for words that glow alone, but for words so precisely placed that in combination with other words, also precisely placed, they carve out a shape in space and time. Clearly a man who's very interested in how words go together, how sentences are formed. But I wonder, did Stanley Fish ever read Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14? You see, those verses, those 11 or 12 verses, I think it is, that's one, in the original Greek language, it is one single sentence, one sentence. Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14 is one single entire sentence. In the original language, it's the longest single sentence in the whole Bible. 
There isn't a longer sentence than this. In our English, it's been broken up with, with full stops and commas and um, all that we have inserted into it. But in the Greek, in the original language, it's one full sentence, 12 verses. And in this sentence, in these 12 verses, we see um, what I believe is phrase upon phrase that, that build up and are put together to form the most incredible um, word shape in space and time. We see the beauty and the glory and the blessing of God in an amazing way in these verses. This one super sentence is staggering because Paul takes this one thought, these four words, God has blessed us. God takes those four words and in this one long sentence, he gives us the widest angle word lens that he possibly can. Paul goes to work on these four words, God has blessed us. And he unpacks it in such a way that, that we, we get into the depths of God's blessing towards us as human beings here on earth. Paul uses over 200 um, Greek words to explore and describe just four words, God has blessed us. John Stott writes this. He says, as Paul dictates... His speech pours out of his mouth in a continuous cascade. He neither pauses for breath nor punctuates his words with full stops. Commentators have searched for metaphors vivid enough to convey the impact of this opening outburst of adoration. Can you picture Paul in this moment? He doesn't pause for breath. He doesn't put a full stop in. No commas. He just goes for it. And the words fall out of his mouth in this cascade of adoration and worship. It's, a, it's like a waterfall of spiritual wonder that Paul writes for us. And Paul in these verses describes the mystery of God's blessing. The mystery of God's blessing. We're calling this series Clarity and Mystery. That much of the gospel, the Christian life is, is covered in mystery and yet in the word of God we get a, a sense of clarity about who God is and who we are in him. We find ourselves in him. We get clarity within the mystery. And here we see the mystery of God's blessing upon us. This whole passage is thoroughly Trinitarian. Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right through these verses, beginning in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That could also be translated every blessing of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us every blessing of the Holy Spirit, supernatural blessing of God upon us. So two big thoughts this morning as we work through these verses. Paul shows us how God's blessing in our lives is framed from an eternal past and into an eternal future. But Paul also, also shows us in these verses that, that the blessing of God is available in the present moment. God has been at work from an eternal past. God will be at work into an eternal future but the blessings of God are available to us in the present moment. I've been praying that your heart will be touched today 
in this moment as we unpack these blessings of God that are ours through the Holy Spirit, that today, in this present moment, in your life, wherever you find yourself with with whatever you have going on, that in your life this morning, the Holy Spirit would work and speak and remind you of the blessings that are yours in Christ this morning, right now, in these moments. So is your heart open to that? Is your heart open to be reminded to receive the blessing of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit? Is your heart ready for this? Are you ready to receive the blessing of God? So first of all, what we see is that the blessing of God is framed by Paul from an eternal past and into an eternal future. Look at verses four to five. We read this, Paul writes, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, God predestined us. Now, talk about mystery. There is a mystery right there that God's blessing in our lives is from an eternal past. That's mysterious, isn't it? That's hard to get our heads around, that God's blessing has been upon us from an eternal past. Oftentimes when people begin to ask about things like predestination, I first of all shudder a little bit, and then I take them to this passage, a moment like this in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's really hard, isn't it, to ignore something when it's written as it is here in Ephesians chapter 1, being chosen And predestined is not the kind of discussion you want to have around a Sunday dinner table when you're wanting to chill out and relax with your family. You know, when you're talking about how good the roast beef is, how tender that roast beef is, maybe you've got Yorkshire puddings and you're saying, wow, these are great, this gravy's lovely. What about predestination? (laughs) What about what Stuart was talking about in church this morning as we enjoy our Sunday dinner? Let's talk about being chosen from an eternal past. It's not the sort of chilled out conversation that arises when we talk about things like this. And yet, he chose us in him. He has chosen us in him, in Christ. Again, um, I've needed a lot of help, by the way, in advance of this morning. I'm going to quote a few people this morning. John Stott, again, comments on this. And he says that God determined to make us who did not yet exist, his own children through the redeeming work of Christ, which have not yet taken place. It's mysterious, isn't it? God had determined to make us who did not yet exist, his own children through the redeeming work of Christ, which have not yet taken place. Now, that's a beautiful mystery. That is a beautiful mystery. Before God made us, writes Julian of Norwich, a 14th century English mystic. She writes this, before God made us, he loved us. And in this love, he has done all of his work. Before God made us, he loved us. And in this love, he has done all of his work. Some people have great trouble with the 
things like this, the doctrine of election, predestination, what that looks like, it can be really problematic for us in lots of ways. And, and I've had my own problematic thoughts with all of this. There's hardly a day or a week goes by when I don't have thoughts like, well, God, why on earth would you put your hand on me? Why would you choose me but, but not them? That breaks my heart. Passages like this, verses like this can cause us to ask questions good questions, things that we don't understand. I don't fully understand things like this, and yet it is a mystery that I must live within, that we must live within. I'm quite content now to declare, you know, God, I didn't choose you. You have put your hand upon me. I didn't decide for Christ, but God and Christ decided for me. He came for me. When I was deep in sin, he came for me. When I was lost, he came and he found me. When I was in need of rescue, the rescuer came and he brought me into his kingdom. When my eyes were blind, the Holy Spirit opened them. He made me see the beauty and the wonder of a life lived with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. He has chosen me. He came for me. He came for me. His hand is upon me. You know what? His hand has always been upon me. And his hand has always been upon you. I'm looking out. There's some glum faces again. That should, be, <laughs> that should put a big smile on your face. In Christ, God has put his hand Upon you, that's better. I know at home you can't see this, but I can. God has put his hand upon us. His hand of salvation has always been upon you. If you're in Christ, his hand has always been upon you. But Stuart, you might ask, what about our free will? What about our ability to choose God? To choose to follow after Jesus? Well, let's go for that for a moment. Um, a few years ago, my brother and I, my older brother, um, who's way more intelligent than me and has way better things to talk about usually than I do, um, he shared a thought with me that he found very, very helpful when it comes to passages and moments like this and that I found very helpful ever since. And he said it, he put it like this, before we come to faith in Jesus, okay, we stand at a door, a metaphorical door, and on the front of the door are the words of Jesus. Jesus who says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest for your soul. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to me right now, you stand in front of that door. Can you hear the voice of Jesus? He says, come to me. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, deep rest for your soul. Come to me, I'm here. You stand in front of me. You're looking at me, you're hearing my voice. Come to me, says Jesus. Should we go to him? Should we follow after him in faith and in repentance? Should we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that yes, Jesus is Lord? Should we open that door of salvation, we will walk into the miracle of salvation and eternal life in Christ.
But you know what? When we walk through that door and turn around, and when you look at the other side of the door, do you know what it says on it? On the other side of the door, the very same door, it says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us. It's the mystery, isn't it? It's the mystery of being chosen, the mystery of salvation. We don't know how God works. It's mysterious. It's a supernatural work of the Spirit. But this is how he works. It's worth noting as well, I think, that the Bible doesn't try in any way to, to like dispel the mystery of it all. God is quite happy and content that we would live in the mystery of who he is. We, don't, we can't fathom everything about who God is. If we could get our heads around that fully, there would be no sense of wonder, no sense of awe, no sense of needing to surrender to one who is so much bigger and more powerful and magnificent than we are. The Bible never tries to dispel much of the mystery of it all, and so neither should we. These kind of things have baffled many uh, Christian brains for centuries. And so we need, and this is part of what I want to do in this series, we need to be comfortable in the mystery, comfortable in the mystery of God, that we would find some sense of clarity of who we are in all of that. But let me say something else about how we should live out our faith, how we ought to, to apply this, okay? St. Augustine once said this, He said, pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. Pray as though everything depended on God. But you know what? Work, serve, live as if it all depended on us. Talking about an army of young people rising up to take their place for Christ and his kingdom. Um, Pete Gregg penned these famous words at the inception of the 24-7 prayer movement, scribbled on a wall in a prayer room somewhere in England. He penned this. He said, with blood and sweat and many tears, with sleepless nights and fruitless days, they pray as if it all depends on God, and they live as if it all depends on them. It's the same thought, isn't it? It's exactly the same thought that we would be those who, who pray as if it all depends on God, because you know what? It does. All depends on him, his activity, his movement, his power in the world. It all depends on what God is doing. We pray that way. God, this all depends on you. This church depends upon your activity, your work, the work of your spirit. But you know what, God? We're going to live in such a way that it looks like it all depends on us. We're going to speak Jesus everywhere we go. We're going to introduce the hurting to the healer. We're going to bring your kingdom wherever we go in this world. We will live every day as if it all depends upon us. There will be an urgency. We will become all things to all people, as Paul said, to win some for the gospel. We will go to the unapproachable. We will go to the places that that perhaps no other Christian wants to go because we believe that God may very well be at work in that place. It all depends on him. We pray every day because it does depend on God. The work of the kingdom is a supernatural work. We can't open blind eyes. Only the Holy Spirit can. But we will live every day as if, as if, 
as if it all depends on us. We will do all that we can as the people of God today. We will share our faith. We will introduce the lost to the rescuer, the broken to the healer. We will live as if it all depends upon us. We will live in the mystery. We will step into the mystery of what God is doing with blood. Well, hopefully not too much blood. With sweat and tears and many sleepless nights and fruitless days. Through the barren times, we will seek the face of God. We will pray because it all depends upon him. See, that's the the eternal past aspect of our future blessing in Christ. What about the eternal future? What about what lies in front of us? Are you still with me, by the way? Okay, I'm really in this at the moment. I really hope that you are as well. Um, And we're not on that just yet. You can take that point down available. We're coming to that. We're coming to that. What, What about the eternal future? Well, you see, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies all of the blessings that are ours in Christ. And the final work of the Spirit in these verses is his sealing of us. Take a look at verse 13 and 14. When you believed, when you believed in Jesus, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. He doesn't so much do the sealing. He himself, the Holy Spirit, he is the seal. He is the seal. Three quick things about the role of the Holy Spirit as our seal. I told you there was lots in this. Three quick things about the role of the Holy Spirit who is our seal. Number one, the Holy Spirit authenticates and confirms our status as a true believer of Jesus. Number two, the Holy Spirit marks us out as belonging to God. And number three, the Holy Spirit keeps us secure in Jesus until that day when we are fully in his presence. He is our seal. I preached on this the Sunday I was preaching for the call to this church. Nobody remembered that. I'm really, really sad about that. Something must have gone right that evening, because here I am. But I said on that occasion that the Holy Spirit also is also described in this, this letter, in this moment, as our deposit or our down payment. And in this sense, the Holy Spirit serves as God's down payment. In other words, he brings, he is the one who brings the future into the present moment. He brings the future into the present moment. And at the very same time, he guarantees for us a future in God's kingdom, which we will realize in full one day when all of your troubles will be over, when all of your pain and tears will be no more. He guarantees that day for us. But until that day, he brings the kingdom of God into the present moment. And we get glimpses of God's beauty, of God's power, of his supernatural activity in our lives and in our world. Paul not only describes here how God's blessing in our lives is framed from an eternal past and into an eternal future. We're ready for this slide now. God's blessing, he makes clear, is also available to us in the present moment. 
I'm going to be finished in a moment. We're going to sing, but just listen to this. What are our spiritual blessings in Christ? How are we blessed in him, in Jesus? How are we blessed in him today, in this moment? Verse five, listen to this. The blessing of adoption to sonship or daughtership, thank you, Elaine, through Jesus Christ is ours today. We're in the family of God today. You're a son or a daughter of King Jesus today, right now. Just in your heart, praise him. If you're a believer, thank God that you're a son, a daughter of the Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank Him that you're a son or a daughter of His, that you belong to God. Verse 6, the blessing of His glorious grace freely given to us is ours today. Right now, God's grace is upon your life. Verse 7, the blessing of redemption through the blood of Jesus is yours today in Jesus Verses seven and eight, the blessing of the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on you and me today. Adoption, redemption, forgiveness, they all go together and are all available to us in this moment right now. In God's family, forgiven forever, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we have gained everything. And we've gained access to God's presence. And at the very same time, we have lost all the stains of our sin and our shame, gone forever. We can stand in the presence of God because of every blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let me suggest two things. How do we, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, I've quoted a lot today. I'm going to quote two people um, as we finish. The first is from Eugene Peterson. We submit ourselves to the blessing of God. Just submit yourself. Give yourself to this. I know for some of you sitting here, this is probably really hard. What God loves me this much this blessing of Christ and the Holy Spirit is, is mine, is for me. Listen to what Eugene Peterson says about this. He says, we submit ourselves to the blessing. This does not come easy for us. It takes time. It takes a great deal of getting used to. But as we submit, our imaginations are baptized we're immersed in the icy, swift-flowing river of resurrection and we come up with all of our senses tingling, our imaginations cleansed. We see what we have never seen before. We thought we were looking for God. No, God is looking for us. We thought we were seeking God. No, God is seeking us. He says, this is the first thing, the blessing. We start with God. Here's the second one. First of all, we submit ourselves to the blessing. And then secondly, we praise God with worshiping love. We praise God with worshiping love. Paul calls for a blessing upon the Father in these verses because the Father has already richly blessed us. And the idea behind blessing God is this idea of a worshiping love. 
I've often wondered, what does it mean to bless God? God doesn't need us to bless him. But the idea behind that is that we offer God our, our worshiping love. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy of our blessing. Here's what C.H. Spurgeon said about this. He said, our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve. But our thanks ought to go to God, listen to this, in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. Any of you got a new coat on? A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than, than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being an heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, and the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. Let me invite our worship team forward. We're going to worship God in a moment or two. I have tried to articulate from these verses the blessing of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to respond to that now. Can I invite you to stand? Let's stand together. I want you to forget about who's around you in this moment. I want you to forget who's on your left or on your right or in front of you or, or behind you. And I want to say this. Don't, don't stand here in this moment. If you're a Christian, don't stand here in this moment like you're a poor man or woman. Don't stand here as if you've got nothing to thank God for. We have everything to thank God for. We've everything to thank him for. Don't stand here like a poor man or woman. We have everything to thank God for. And if you're ready to praise God with that worshiping love, how do we bless the Father? We bless him with our worshiping love. If you're ready to praise God, with that worshiping love, then let me invite you to close your eyes and just where we are as we prepare in this moment um, to worship God in song. For every spiritual blessing that is ours in Jesus, from an eternal past to an eternal future that is available to us right now in this moment, then let me invite you, if you're comfortable, to stretch out your hands in front of you as you receive the blessing of God again a waterfall of wonder from heaven. Or if you want, raise your hands in response, worshiping love for the Father, for all that he has given to us by his Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we're here with outstretched arms. Lord, we are lost in wonder and awe at your goodness to us. We do not understand it all. There's a mystery, not only to our lives here on earth, but to the life of faith. And yet, Father, somehow in it all, Holy Spirit communicates to our heart a 
a sense of clarity that we belong to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is communicating to us in these moments, in this very moment, that every spiritual blessing in Christ is available to us right now in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. May we respond to you now with a worshiping love. May we offer you our adoration. We raise a thousand hallelujahs. We worship you, God, in thunders of hallelujahs. We thank you that a new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Jesus is better than the best of earthly food. To be an heir of you and your kingdom is better than the greatest, the greatest inheritance this earth, this world could ever give us. Receive our adoration. We're here to worship you now. Be exalted, O God, for every blessing that is ours in Jesus. Lead us now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.